Hey, I'm Kevin. Hey, I'm Johnny Yee. Tune into our radio show, Philly Rock Live. We play the classic hard rock and metal from the 70s and 80s. We grew up on. We play the new music those same bands are making today. And we play new music from around the world. Not to mention the great bands from our own local scene. You will not hear a mix of music like this anywhere else. If it kicks ass, we, we play it. Philly Rock Live. Thursday, 7 to 9 p.m. Philly time. On phillyrockradio.com. Listen online with your mobile device or even your smart speaker. And now, and now, it's time for another edition of the Sports and Metal Podcast. We talk hard-hitting sports and bone-crunching metal. Sports and Metal, because sports and metal go better together. Now here's your host, Jason Voorhees, and Aaron Savage. Oh yeah! Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Sports and Metal Podcast. As always, we are your hosts. This is Aaron Savage. With me, as always, right over there, my partner in crime, Mr. Jason Voorhees. And uh, before we get started, we want to give a big shout-out to our number one sponsor, La Terrain Watches. Sports and Metal, as always, is sponsored by La Terrain Watches. La Terrain Watches are the premier handcrafted watches available at the best price point you're going to find. Beautiful watches. You want to go to their website, www.laterrain.com. That's www.la-t-o-u-r-a-i-n-e.com. Use our promo code SNM. That's the letters SNM as in sports and metal, and you're going to save 10% off your purchase. So check out La Terrain. Anyway, the, ep- the title of the episode tonight is Shocking and... Um, that that superlative covers many of the topics we're going to hit on tonight, none of which um, is more shocking than what we're going to jump off with. Uh, just got word this morning in the media, um, last night I believe it was, current Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback, former standout Ohio State quarterback. I mean, he was unbelievable the one year he started in Ohio State, uh, almost won a Heisman Ended up being the 15th overall pick for the Washington, now Commanders at the time, Redskins. Dwayne Haskins passed away. Apparently, he was hit by a dump truck walking on a highway. Insane. Insane. Shocking news. Uh, I don't know what else to say, man. Tw- what, 25 years old, I think? What was he doing walking on a highway? But, oh, my goodness. Awful, awful news. Yeah, I mean, I, unfortunately, it just seems like Every week, there's a new, you know, tragedy and, and sad story. It's unfortunate part of life, and it just seems like every week we're it, it happens when we're doing our show. I I I, I don't really, I'm at a loss for words because the guy's 25 years old, has a whole life ahead of him, and just to you know die in that manner is just I I, I can't even fathom. I thoughts and prayers go out to you know his family and friends. I mean, I, I don't know what else to say. I mean, it's it's crazy. I mean, it, this might be the most shocking news I've heard in quite a while. I mean, a 25 year old and hit by a dump truck walking on a highway. He was down. It's this took place in South Florida. He was down there. Um, Pittsburgh Steelers quarterbacks, wide receivers, running backs. I believe they were all doing some training. It's I can't wrap my head around it. I'm sure more is going to come out about what, why he was there. I, I don't know, but. Regardless of the fact, nothing more to say except rest in peace, Dwayne Haskins. Moving on to a little bit more positive, shocking news. Tiger Woods, 14 months removed from a devastating car accident 
where his leg was almost amputated, is competing in the Masters. That in and of itself is a win. I know historically talking about Tiger Woods, if he's not wearing a green jacket, you know, winning championships, that's not a win. But in this circumstance, it's a win. I, I mean, nothing more to say. Tiger Woods is back. And, dude, I'm not a golf guy. I know you're not really either, Jay. But, I mean, if you're going to talk about one guy that is brings juice that you want to watch, it would be Tiger, right? Don't you agree? I, he's, he's the only reason I watch golf yeah. at all is to see Tiger Woods, like, literally, like, I, and it's kind of sad because I probably would like golf if I actually was good at it or I actually played <laughs> more often, but it just seems to me like a lot of times with golf, it's like one of those niche sports where unless you actually go and golf yourself, it, it, to me, it's like, like I said, I, I don't really watch it, but every time that, I do kind of glance through the channels and Tiger Woods is, you know, on the, on the greens. Oh yeah. I'm all about it because yeah, that guy, I mean, talk about a legend. Like he's pretty much, you know, the obviously, you know, he's like the Tom Brady of golf. Like it's just, yeah. I mean, if there's good. one guy that might give me a little bit of juice, maybe Phil Mickelson. I mean, in, but dude, it's Tiger Woods. Bottom line is it's amazing that he's back. I mean, and the biggest challenge to him at this point is walking the course. You know, and, you know, more power to him. So Tiger Woods is back. We're not going to spend too much time on that because more shocking news. This Brian Flores lawsuit, dude, keeps getting more legs, Jay. So what happened this past week, the, the, the lawsuit gained more ground as far as more coaches, you know, joined up. And it goes back to a podcast. And nothing was said at the time, but um, Mike Mullaney, who was hired by the Titans to be their head coach back in 2016, apparently back in 2020, October Malarkey. of 2020, he Mike appeared. Malarkey. What's that, Jay? Malarkey, not Mullaney. Malarkey. I, I meant to say Malarkey. Sorry. Yeah, Mike. Sorry. I don't know why I said that. Mike Malarkey was a coach of the Titans back in 2000. I don't know why I said that. 2016. So in October 2020. He appeared, and we all missed this. Nothing was said about it. He was on a Steelers Realm podcast. And on that podcast, he basically talked about how he felt bad that he knew he was going to get the job before he was hired. And he thought that it was like a sham that they were going to interview minority candidates to fulfill the Rooney rule, um, knowing that he had already gotten the job. So long story short of it all, uh, Steve Wilkes and Ray Horton have joined up in the lawsuit. Uh, Brian Flores' lawsuit, it started, he fought a lawsuit against the Giants. He said that they they racially discriminated against him when they already told Brian Dable he had the job and that his interview was a sham. So what's going on now, I'll just give you a little background. Um, so Steve Wilkes has joined up. His his suit is similar. Let me see. Blah, 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 blah. I just want to give you the exact details here. So Wilkes says he was set up by the Cardinals as a bridge coach in 2018 and wasn't given a chance to succeed. Wilkes lasted one season in Arizona. He went 3-13. and 13. Lawyers for Wilkes pointed out that the team's general manager, Steve Keim, who is white, was arrested for a DUI in 2018 and received a contract extension. The complaint also noted the team turned around and hired Cliff Kingsbury, a coach with no previous NFL experience and a recent history of losing seasons at the college level. So he's joined in on the Clash Jackson, Brian Flores suit. Brian Flores also added the Houston Texas Texans to his suit. He claims that when he filed his discrimination suit, 
the Texans eliminated him from job contention. They hired Lovey Smith, a minority. I'll get more into this. Right now, I'm just giving you a little bit of background before I drop my opinions. Um, so let, let's get back to um, Malarkey and Ray Horton. So basically, like I said, Mike Malarkey steered, appeared on the Steelers Realm podcast in October 2020. Nobody noticed it, but he basically said he had the job all along. They told him in advance he had the job, but they had to go through interviews to fulfill Rooney Rule obligations. And in hindsight, he says he feels bad about that. So that leads to Ray Horton joining in on this lawsuit. He says he interviewed to be the Titans coach in 2016. He cited the podcast in which Mike Malarkey, who the team hired, said he was told he had the job before the team satisfied the Rooney rule. Malarkey said he was sorry to see other coaches prepare so hard for interviews when they had no shot at getting the position. Horton was among coaches who were interviewed. So if you listen to the Steelers Realm podcast, if you go back and listen to that episode in October 2020, they say his comments occur around the 2502 mark, if you want to go back and listen. Anyway, dude, Jay, I'll give you my opinion here. My problem is with the Rooney rule itself. And I, I know you're going to be surprised that this is my reaction, but I stand by what I said on, on a past episode. I respect Mike Malarkey for feeling bad that he knew he had the job in advance and knowing that those interviews were going to be a sham. And I don't blame the minority candidates who interviewed for being pissed off finding out it was a sham interview. You got to understand where I'm coming from. I get that. But none of it would happen if the Rooney rule didn't exist. My problem is with the Rooney rule. I don't understand why if an employer determines they want to hire somebody, that they determine in advance that that's the guy that they that they have identified is best for the job opening. Why can't they just hire that guy? Why do they have to go through these sham interviews? That's what makes the interviews a sham. Those interviews shouldn't even have to happen. Are you And Brian Flores, let's use the, the Texans as an example. He's added the Texans to his lawsuit because he says the Texans eliminated him from job contention because of his lawsuit. But they hired another minority, Lovey Smith. It's a bad look. It's a bad look. And guess what? Maybe they did eliminate him from consideration because of the lawsuit. Why is that not an acceptable reason? The lawsuit was going to carry with it a ton of distraction and baggage. So if the Houston Texans were considering Brian Flores and then eliminated him from contention based on the lawsuit that he filed, why is that not an acceptable reason to not hire him? If it's a distraction, that doesn't mean that they were racist and not hiring. It means, okay, this lawsuit could be a distraction. We have enough distractions dealing with the Deshaun Watson situation. Why do we need another one? And then they went and hired a minority candidate. You see what I'm saying, Jay? I'm not denying that there are racists in our world. And I'm sure there are racists in the NFL. But the Rooney rule is not the answer, Jay. It's kind of like the old adage. There's no perfect form of government, but I think democracy is the best one. Imperfect as it may be. I don't have the answers, Jay. I just know the Rooney rule is not the answer. It's like, don't hate the player, hate the game. I don't know how to, I don't know what comparison or analogy to make, but the sham interviews are only shams because they have to take place to fulfill a racial quota. 
That shouldn't be the case. I understand the point of it, but I understand why it was created. I, I, I think it came from a good place. Like, but it's not the answer. It's not the answer. It's not the answer. Education, eliminating racist, it's the answer. I don't know how to do that, but that's the answer. I, you you must have something to Jay say here, Jay. Come on, I want to hear it. Well, I mean, you know, you and I are never going to totally see eye to eye on this situation because we've obviously, you know, did a whole show prior and and kind of, I don't want to say had a battle, but we don't agree. We're not going to agree because you obviously have a strong opinion on it and I have a strong opinion on the other side. But what I will say is we're two white guys talking about a situation that we realistically can't say that we totally understand because we're not minority. We, we don't understand. We could sit here and talk about it and have our opinions on it. But in reality, we're not living it. So I, I will say that much. And what I think is I agree 100% that the main issue of the whole debacle and the whole situation is the Rooney rule in itself. Because I think that in itself. But so you do agree with me. I, I think the Rooney rule, I don't think it was intended for the wrong purpose, but I think the way that it's been used and the way that it's been uh, indoctrinated, yes, it's totally off off the, off the wall. Like, it's but, not Jay, let me respond to that exact statement. But that's the crux of it. There's no way to make it right. I agree with you. I think the intention, the thought, people's hearts was, were in the right place in coming up with this idea – but there's no way to make it work the right way. That's like any kind of um, affirmative action. I just don't believe in it. I believe in best man for the job. Now, I understand you're going to deal in certain circumstances where there might be racism. I don't know how a better way to deal with it. I just know the Rooney rule is not the way. I, 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 I'd like to believe in my heart of hearts that most people are good people. And most people I, that own companies are going to hire the best person for them. I understand me, that's not reality, Jay. But you, you the rule is not the example. Well, listen, it's not the way to solve let, let me. I'm listening. I'm sorry. It's okay. I think another issue why it is so prevalent in the NFL, and it's not just the NFL. Let's face it. It's a lot of the you know, sporting leagues. Listen, racism, we all agree. It, it, it lives and breathes everywhere. It's not just in the sports industry. It's it's in, in every job. Racism is racism, but there's racism on both sides. Like it, it doesn't, that's the problem. But where I, where I believe the real disconnect is, is at the top. When you have ownership groups and you don't have one black owner in the whole league, you have guys that have been in this, that own teams, it's, you know, kind of like the good old boy network. I was just going to say the good old boys. I got it. it. Is. And that's the, that's a reality. And, 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 and to sit there and say that it doesn't exist, it, that to me is kind of, I don't want to say, I'm trying to think of the right word, irresponsible, because there is, there are issues, but it, it, is every single person or every single owner you know, racist? I, I, I don't agree. I don't think I don't so. believe no. that. I don't is it either. possible that one is? Are yes. there a few that are? Maybe. Yes. I, I mean, Maybe. I think we've seen it. I think we've seen it with the Houston Texans. It's possible. I, mean, I, I disagree with the Texans. Give it, Aaron. But I just gave you the example of the I Texans. I know. Yeah. 
of course. But see, they hired a minority because they kind of had to at this point. Like, when did when, they? When somebody gets exposed for something, a lot of times the reaction is to. But wait, am I forgetting something? What were they exposed for? And if I'm forgetting something, tell me. Well, their GM was was like basically like, you know, didn't the GM get in trouble for like you know, saying like racist remarks I, I a couple years back? There, there was issues. I mean, if that's Texans. a point, I, I know I don't for a fact that the Texans had issues. Matter of fact, that's a part of the reason why Deshaun Watson wanted out of there. Because, of, uh, you know, I don't know if somebody said something. It was You're like right. Houston Texans days. owner Cal McNair issued an apology on Tuesday for using an anti-Asian slur. But you know what? Again, I'm not condoning it, but listen. I, based on what I read here, it sounds like something that might have just been irresponsibly said, hanging out with his buddies, shooting the shit. Over a round of golf because it says it was at a charity golf tournament. I don't know that that necessarily makes the guy racist. It might make him stupid. I don't know if it makes him racist. I think, I think the NFL, like I said, I don't think it's inherently racist. But but would you agree with this? Do you would you agree that we're so quick to just call everybody racist now? I mean. We uh, every when we grew up, a lot of stuff was said that wouldn't be said today, and I don't think anybody that we grew up with in our circle was racist. Said a lot of dumb shit. Look, call a spade a spade, Jay. And I'm saying, are there racist owners in the NFL? It's possible. We're on the same page. There are bad people in the world. I get it. I'm simply saying I don't think the Rooney Rule or any type of affirmative action is the solution. Do I know the solution? I'm admitting that I don't. And I'm not faulting the black interviewee who feels hurt or slighted for having gone through a sham interview or what he perceives as a sham interview. I don't fault him for feeling that way. I fault the I, I fault the league for creating the rule to allow a coach that or a potential coach to be put in that position. These guys wouldn't even be put in that position if the rule didn't exist. If it was Lovey Smith, who's a black candidate, or if it was Mike Malarkey, who's a white candidate, if a team identified either one of those as the guy they wanted for the job, they should be able to hire that guy without going through any further interviews. Well, that just proves. I just don't agree with the fact that they have to go through sham interviews to fulfill a quota. That's why it's a sham. That just proves that the NFL is more screwed up than we think. But it, it's not it, just the NFL. It's the world we live in. The NFL's kowtowing. They're catering to – I don't want to get too political, but you know what I'm getting at. You know, they're, they're catering to what they perceive as ac- race, ac- ra- accusations of, an, of run, runaway racism in the league, which I don't think either of us believe exist. That's all I'm going to say. I just believe that that's and it's 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 everywhere you look. It's everywhere you look. It's everywhere you look. I, again, I'm I'm going to repeat myself so I'm perfectly clear. There are racists in the world. I don't know the solution, but having sham interviews to fulfill a quota clearly isn't it. How can you fault an organization for identifying the person they want to hire? How can they be faulted for that? 
Well, I, I, I here, oh wait, and I got to clarify, Mike Malarkey. I respect him greatly for coming on that podcast and feeling guilty, but it's not fair to him either for having to feel that way. Yeah, but Aaron, I, I don't think he. Listen, I don't even look at it. I don't look at it even as being a sham. I look at the fact of the matter is, is a guy like Cliff Kingsbury and, and you know, you heard it right there. He got hired over somebody that should have realistically got the job and they were black. That's what's wrong with it. It has nothing to do with the fact that I, I get what you're saying, but no, if somebody, then that means they're hiring the wrong person. If that's why it's their coach, it's the same thing. Like I was saying, there's no way in hell that this quarterback this year that was being linked to jobs, if he would have gotten hired over like certain guys, I would have been pissed off because he has never been a, been a coach in the NFL. There's no reason how somebody like that should even be, be, be the team. It's a fair point. I don't disagree coach. with it. It's a fair point. I just don't know. There's the people that have more experience. That's what I'm saying. So it's I a fair agree. Point. I see what you're saying, Aaron. And I do. But I guess that's why I disagree with it because I see I see aspects that were you, you can't gloss over that. I mean, now, like I said, I, I don't think we're ever going to fully see eye to eye, you and I, and that's fine. That's why we're allowed to disagree. I mean, we don't have to agree on everything. I still love you, <laughs> but the fact of the matter is, we'll have to see how this lawsuit pans out. Because obviously it's still a big thing. I mean, it's not going yeah. away. Well, but the Rooney we really here, here's one thing we can agree on: the Rooney Rule's not going anywhere. Well, but we didn't even really talk about the Tom Brady stuff. Well, I was going to get to that. Okay. So now well, let's talk about some more of this fallout from this Brian Flores lawsuit. So, Tom Brady, as we all know, a couple months back announced his retirement from the NFL. Stories coming out now that he had no intentions of retiring. His retirement was basically a sham to get himself out of playing for the Bucs. He didn't want to play for the Bucs anymore. He wanted to go to the Dolphins, and he was going to retire and, and then sign with the Dolphins and then try to recruit Sean Payton to be their head coach. The day Tom Brady announced his retirement, later that day, Brian Flores' lawsuit against the NFL was announced. And everything unraveled, and then Tom Brady obviously had to wait long enough so it didn't be obvious, and then announced he wasn't going to retire and is playing for the Bucs. But this is what's the story that leaked this week. I saw it on Pro Football Talk, a couple of websites. Tom Brady retired simply to get out of playing for the Bucs. I don't know if it was because Bruce Arians and him don't see eye to eye. Obviously, I think it was before Arians announced his retirement. I'm forgetting order of events. It was, I believe. I don't know, but he wanted to go to Miami and he wanted to recruit Sean Payton to be the coach. And who knows, this might even add a little bit of legs to some of Brian Flores' accusations because he said that he was sent somewhere to recruit a current a current quarterback from another team. At, and at the time, um, people were saying it was Tom Brady. So, I don't know. That's, that's some major bombshell okay. news right there, Jay. All right, but do you know what's crazy to me? That this isn't what? a bigger story because I, I can't believe more people are talking. About I know it. I'm surprised I shared too. it in a share group, like with my with the other network that I'm on, and like nobody, like they just glossed over it. Like it's nothing. I can't believe, it. dude. It's like huge news. Like 
I can't believe people are talking about it. That Tom Brady, like, it was basically a plot to go to the Miami Dolphins, and obviously it didn't work out. But I, I just think it's insane that it's not all over the headline news. That's what I mean. Like, that's what's crazy about news. Like, a lot of times, like, you'll see things that are, you're like, why is that even on the news? And then something like this, it's like, what in the hell? And it has no legs. Not even being We're covered. talking about Tom Brady here. That's Tom right. Brady takes a dump and it's the front page. And this isn't a, a big story. Yeah. Now, I'm, I'm let me give you confused. some perspective. I'm too. But I want to give you a perspective since I'm a Dolphins fan. I'm glad it didn't happen. And I know you're surprised to hear that, dude. But let's just say this. I'm I, Honestly, dude, and maybe this makes me think that the Bucks did it in a cheap way. And I think their Super Bowl's cheap. I never thought about that at the time, but as a Dolphins fan, now that it became possible that it could have happened to my team, I, I, it made me really think about it. Honestly, dude, I'm glad this didn't come to fruition. I wouldn't want to just bring Tom Brady in, recruit Sean Payton, sign Gronk, and win a Super Bowl. It would just seem cheap. It just wouldn't seem right. Like, Tom Brady's legacy was built in New England. The guy was an underdog, and he built this, and him and Bill Belichick built this dynasty, and that's where they earned all their stripes you know and tom brady was is so great he was able to just go to the bucks and take that team to the next level and win a super bowl i don't want that i don't want that i want the dolphins to build the team that they're building i want to root for tua i want to win the right way i don't want to like put all my eggs in a basket of tom brady to win a cheap super bowl for him to retire in a year i know i want to win a super bowl and you might think i sound crazy for that and that's no guarantee they would have won a super bowl if they got brady but i'm just saying if Call me crazy, dude. It Maybe it shows I'm not a homer that you think I am. I don't like cheap. I want to win the right way. I want to earn it. I want to earn it. So I, I'm glad it didn't happen. As a Dolphin a fan, point. that's my perspective. I am surprised, but it's a fair point because I know you love Tom Brady. Yeah. Love him, dude, but I wouldn't want to bring him in for a year, sign Gronk, bring in Sean Payton, win a Super Bowl. It just seems cheap. And obviously now I guess I think the Bucs Super Bowl is cheap, and I hadn't thought about that, but. Anyway, that's that's where I'm at with that, bro. Anyway, moving on. MLB is underway. It's going to be a hot race between our teams, I think, Jay. You pumped up? I, I mean, absolutely. Like, I <laughs> I mean, I watched, obviously, the Mets. I, I didn't get to see all of it, but I watched a little bit of both games. And, you know, obviously uh, – they look very impressive, and I, and the Phillies are impressed. I mean, Phillies are two and zero. Mets are two and zero. So oh, I mean, Phillies won this afternoon, right? We're we're, filming, we're recording this on Saturday evening. Yeah, they played at four, and they just finished, I believe, about an hour. They, they, yeah, they, what was they the final on that? Four to two, I think. Nice. Who who, but, who started uh, that game? Actually, Kyle Gibson, because Zach Wheeler, uh, you know, got yeah. He's going to start game five for them. I I said last week I knew he was slow coming back, but hey. At least he's back to start the season. But I, I, I will say, you know, I think so far that both areas that I'm not saying you and I question, but a lot of the outside noise about the Mets is that their strength is their pitching staff and that their lineup is is their weakness. I don't and know anybody saying that except Phillies fans. That's what I was laughing with you about on the phone. <laughs> what I'm getting at is so far – it looks like the Mets' strength has been their offense, and well, their pitching's been pretty good too. And the Phillies, <laughs> Phillies' uh, strength has been their well, their offense put up nine yesterday and only four yeah. today. But we know pitching, we know the Phillies are going to hit. 
Yeah. You know, I'll tell you this. Jeff McNeil's back, bro. Jeffrey Mack is back. I think the Mets should make his uh, walk-up song, Return of the Mac. Return. I know this is sports and metal, but hey. <laughs> they can drop a little whatever. Who, who? I don't remember who sang that. But anyway, moving on. We, we won't spend too much time well, on this. Well, no, but I mean, if we want to talk about anything, what about the two hit batsmen? You now, that's a little bit of a... You talk about the Mets. Well, actually, more than that, they had three hit batsmen in game one, including Alonzo taking one off the shoulder to the lip. And then in game two last night, Lindor took one to the head. Dude, honestly, the Mets, I, I'm so excited to have Buck Showalter as the manager. One thing I could take from this, dude, did you see when Lindor got hit last night? Buck Showalter ran on the field and all the team followed him. And that's something the Mets had had been lacking in recent seasons with, you know, Mickey Calloway and, and uh, Luis Rojas. Having Buck Showalter, he has like, he has united this team, and that's why I'm excited about this team, Jay. And I, we talked about it. I'll just bring it up really quick. Dude, you talk about the Mets' offense. 2020, the Mets had a loaded offense. It was a shortened season, but they also hit very well in 2019. That was, you know, 2019, Alonzo, 50 bombs, rookie record. Jeff McNeil, 320, 24 bombs, 75 RBI. Dom Smith was hitting in those seasons. Dude, the Mets hit big time in 2019-2020. They only didn't hit last year, and what was the thing that happened? Stupid, stupid. They fired Chili Davis early in the year when they started the season a little slow offensively. And he and then they brought in Hugh Quittlebaum and he fucked everything up, dude. He that's why McNeil had such a bad year. McNeil's a spray hitter, he goes all over. They had McNeil pulling. So many things just got messed up with this team offensively last year. And that that's what I feel like why I feel like you're sleeping on it. The Mets have a great offense that underperformed last year. And you could tell that they've hit a reset button. They've quettled them, gone. And you could see that these guys are not having that approach anymore. And I told you the X factor to me is Robinson Cano. You're talking about a Hall of Fame Derek Jeter type hitter that was suspended last year and he's back. And he's hitting the way he was hitting prior to that. I think this team's going to hit. But, dude, I'm pumped up. But long story short, I think Buck Showalter has united this team. And I think it's going to be a fun season. Let's just I'm not going to say a whole bunch of shit. I'm going to let the season play out, but I'm very confident in the Mets. That's all I'm going to say, brother. I love you, but I'm confident. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm obviously confident about the future. I know you are. So that's why I'm excited. So I, mean, I said, let's let the chips did, fall where they may, my friend. Can I ask you this? Did you yeah. see Kyle Schwarber's home run? I did. I'm not a fan of him, but yes, I, I did. know you're not a fan of him, but did you see the home run? <laughs> I did. Did you it was see Castellano's home run today to center? Yeah. Absolute bomb. Like, in this Dude, ballpark, I'm that doesn't impress you, me. That doesn't impress me. It's 2022. We're going to have five guys with 40 home <laughs> runs, dude, in this ballpark. Like, it's insane that they could do that. I'm not saying they well, will. Well, in that ballpark, they it's definitely probably not. It's probably not going to happen. But my point is, is that it's not out of the realm of possibility. If this lineup rakes the way that it's capable of and they all play well, because let's face it, a lot of times that's hard to expect because usually one or two guys might overperform and then you're going to have your guys that underperform my point is is if they all perform to what they're capable of it's do they they have a legit shot at not only breaking the all-time home run record for the phillies they also have the all-time record they have the chance to score more runs than the 93 phillies which is insane because that team 
scored more runs almost. I think it was an, a major league record up until like a couple years ago. I might, I might I'd have wrong. to check on that. We'll revisit that. That might the be 93 Phillies at one point. I, had I don't think it was record. the record, but well, I'll look. I'll look. We'll revisit it. We'll revisit but anyway, it. my point is, is that it's unprecedented. That that team, Lenny Dykstra, I think scored 150 runs or 160. He, he had a big year. It was like I think his big was his big run year 91 or 93. 93. Oh, both he, years. He had that big year in 91 too. Remember? Yeah, he may have actually had more runs. Uh, it might have been his personal on I don't know I don't have stats in front of me but my point is is that the team has a ridiculous offense obviously you're a little bit higher on the pitching than I am but I will say Aaron Nola he looked good up until I, I thought Joe Girardi should have pulled him that, that that's I, I, I'm, I'm gonna throw up some numbers here since 1900 seven teams have scored 1,000 or more runs in a season. The most recent being the 1999 Cleveland Indians, who scored 1,009 runs and became the first team since the 1950 Red Sox to reach four digits. So 93 Phillies aren't in there, Jay. 93, 90, 1931 Yankees scored 1,067 runs, most ever. I love the 93 Phillies, but I knew that was a little bold of a statement. But, yes, Phillies are going to score runs. We'll leave it at that. We'll leave it at that. All right? All right. Yeah, but <laughs> – Kind of, you, you just busted my balls. I had to. You I had to. my balls. I'm breaking balls. Well, let's get, we to, did, let's get wait, to something fun. Wait, but I have, I have, a, I have a quick thing around the league. So, what? did you I'm, see this? Sean Mania last night in his debut with the Padres got pulled at seven innings with no hit. With a no hitter. Now, here's once again what you and I talk about our frustrations with this league. Now, listen, I get it. It's the first game. It's a pitching limits because. Yo, the spring training. Short and spring you know, training. Short. I get that. I get all that. But you don't even let him go out for the eighth. That I, to me is a little bit suspect, dude. I I, I just think it's just Jay, Jay, it's not hole. shocking. Jay, listen. There was a time when we were kids where you, you would never see a pitcher leave a game with a shutout, let alone a no-hitter. When I was a kid, farce, you man. wouldn't see a guy leave with a shutout unless he was hurt or there was some real extraneous circumstance. Like he threw a zillion pitches. You didn't see a guy leave with a shutout, let alone a no-hitter. It was very, very rare. And, dude, I'm telling you right now, I was not expecting anything other than to see guys throwing five innings tops coming out of that three-week spring training in the in the league that we're in. And it, it's, like, ridiculous, dude. Mets opening day, Tyler McGill, 68 pitches, five shutout innings. You're going to tell me you can't throw 80 pitches? You're going to tell me you can't throw 80 pitches? It's just – it's 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 there's nothing to say about it, dude. It's, 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 a, it's the expectation. At this point, that's Major League Baseball. It's what we expect, right? Yeah. It's an absolute joke, dude. Absolute joke. Anyway, dude, why don't we get to a very fun segment that we love to do. We've been nothing but sports, so let's get to the music a little bit. The Picks of the Week. Absolutely. You ready? The Picks of the Week. The week. <laughs> we got a time. <laughs> Let's anyway, go. listen, I, you, you want me to go first, Jay, or you want to go Absolutely, first? Absolutely, as always. All right, I'll go first. So anyway, I, honestly, dude, my pick of the week just kind of came to me today, and I, I've been kind of jamming the record all day. I've known I've known that it was out for a couple of months, and it's not the most metal pick at all. I know it's sports and metal, but, I mean, it's, it's rock and roll. So I'll, I'll do it. But anyway, so here's the metal tie-in. I was listening to Ozzy's Boneyard this morning. And uh, 
I was listening to one of my favorite shows on XM radio, Duff McKagan's three chords and the truth. And uh, he played the first track from Eddie Vedder's most recent solo album, Invincible. And I was listening to it. And I'm like, holy shit, this is a good record. Now, the most I've heard about Eddie Vedder in the last few months was his online online feud with Nikki Six. I don't know if you followed that, but apparently Eddie Vedder in an interview said something about, you know, he used to do, you know, security at a lot of concerts in the, in the late 80s for bands that he would never have bought a ticket to see, a lot of the hair bands. And he specifically mentioned Motley Crue. So Nikki fired back saying, oh, I'm not surprised to hear that from Eddie Vedder. Dude, you're the singer of the most boring band of all time, Pearl Jam. So long story short, the most I've listened to Eddie, the most I've heard from Eddie Vedder in the last few months was his feud with Nikki Six. I've known that this Earth, the album's called Eddie Vedder Earthling. It's his most recent solo record. So I've known the album was out. I know Chad Smith's in the band because I'd seen some performances online a little bit. And I saw like a couple of concerts where he talked about Nikki Six on stage. But also Josh Klinghoffer's in his band from the Chili Peppers. So I'm listening to Duff McKagan's um, Three Chords and the Truth this morning, Boneyard, on Ozzy's Boneyard. He plays the first track, Invincible, and I fell in love with it, dude. I, I knew the album was out, but I hadn't listened to it, like I said. Dude, the first track on the album is called Invincible, and it sounds to me something straight out of you know Peter Gabriel's catalog. Okay. I know it's got Eddie Vedder's vocal style to it and his voice, but it really reminded me of Peter Gabriel's In Your Eyes. Can you play a little sample of it, Jay? Yeah, we'll pull that up. Yeah, pull that up, man. The track's called It's Invincible, and it's from Eddie Vedder's new solo record, Earthling. Jay's going to pull that up for us. Here we go. Take it out. There's a little sample. Yeah, I mean, it totally reminds me of Peter Gabriel. A lot of the record has a real Tom Tom Petty vibe to it. Another track I love. Um, we could pull it up if you want. It's called Long Way. Totally reminds me of Tom Petty. But the album's also got a lot of guests. Um, and I was reading an interview as I was listening to this record. I must have listened to the album three times today. And I was reading, you know, I like to read when I... I like to read lyrics. I like to read about an album when I'm listening to it. And Eddie, he has a lot of guests on the record. Um, he's got St uh, Stevie Wonder plays harmonica on a track. Uh, the, the second to last track on the album, Miss Mills, Ringo Starr's a guest. 
Uh, the 11th track on the album, Picture, Elton John's a guest. And he talked about how he saved all the big guests uh, to perform toward the end of the album, like kind of like when you go to a concert and it gets to the encore and they bring out all the guests. So that was kind of a cool thing. One of the coolest aspects of the record, the last song called On My Way, features his biological father on vocals. Now, if you know a little bit about Eddie Vedder, um, he didn't know he was living with his stepfather until he was about 13 years old when his parents got divorced. And that's when he found out that a gentleman that he had met a couple times in his younger years that they said was a family friend was actually his biological father. Um, you listen to the, the Pearl Jam 10 album, the song Alive is kind of about that. Now she walks slow across a young man's room. I, uh, as he was sitting all alone at age 13, your real daddy was dying. You remember those lyrics? Alive kind of addressed that. Um, so if you know a little bit about Eddie Vedder, you know that his, that's his background. So apparently later in life, he met a musician that was good friends with his biological father and gave him some recordings of his father singing. And he actually used the recordings on this track, On My Way. So the last track is Eddie's biological father on the vocal. I thought it was a really cool little tidbit. So that's my pick of the week. The album's called Earthling, uh, Eddie Vedder's solo album. It's not the most metal album, but it, it's, it's rock and roll. Uh, it's produced by Andrew Watt, who most recently produced Ozzy's Ordinary Man album and also is working on the current Ozzy album that's going to be coming out soon. I just saw Ozzy said they completed it. So keep an eye out for Ozzy's new record. But again, Eddie Vedder, Earthling, check it out. That's my pick of the week, Jay. You don't want Great to sample uh, the other song, Long Way? Ah, if you want, put it on. It's called yeah, Long Way. It totally reminds me of Tom Petty. Tell me what you think. Play it. Okay. Yeah, right away. We're getting a little bit of an echo on these videos. Take it out. It's all good. We're getting a little bit of an echo on it. But yeah, check out the album. It, it, that doesn't really do it justice. Uh, it, I'm telling you, that song totally reminds me of something from Tom Petty, Wildflowers era. Again, not metal, rock and roll, but you know me. I got I got a diverse palette. It's all right. You're, that's, that's why, it, you know, hey, metal is a form of music. And we're not just metal. We're everything. <laughs> All right. So rock and roll, Jay. What's your pick of the week? Well, my pick of the week is probably going to be the opposite extreme because that's what I always do best. <laughs> um, I've been listening to a lot of Judas Priest lately. And you know me. When I start to listen to certain music, I kind of do deep dives. and Yeah, you go down you know, the rabbit hole. I do this, it too. Listening to Judas Priest, you know, obviously um, Rob Halford's you know, one of the main reasons Judas Priest exists. So um, I've always loved Rob Halford's solo stuff, including, you know, Fight and even the band too, which were two bands that came right after he left 
Priest, you know, the first time, obviously. Yeah. Um, but then yep. after after two, uh, you know, kind of dissembled, uh, he got his own band together, and you know, obviously, it's called Halford. So I went with my pick of the week, and that's his actual debut album with the band Halford, and it's called Resurrection. Wow, man. Let me tell you, every time I pop this album on, like, it just brings me back. Because I remember when I bought the album in 2000. Like, that was really, like, my heyday. Like, I know the red truck. We always talked about it. But, like, I really started, like, getting into, like, different styles of metal. Because, you know me, I was always, like, a thrash guy back in the day. Like, and, and the 80s glam. But, like, I would say around 2000 is when I kind of started to diversify. And I started listening to a lot more stuff. Like, Van Halen, Judas Priest. And when I got, when I heard Halber's, Halford's album, not only did it make, it had its own style, but it, it, it reminded me of the Judas Priest that I kind of realistically really got hooked on. And that was like the painkiller album because it's, it's like really, his voice got really like, to the point where he was almost like screaming type. Yeah, very vocal. aggressive. Yeah, and, and, the, and the double bass. And he obviously drums. did that in fight and two, but you know, it, it was just more so like. Well, two was more two. industrial, but yeah, fight definitely. Yeah, and yeah. but 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 fight even so had its own niche kind of sound, whereas this kind of reminded me more of like Judas Priest, but like not with the rest of the band. Yes. But I, I, I still like it. Like, it, to me, it, it just hits hard. Like, every track on the album I love. Um, my personal favorite, though, is actually the song Temptation. And I'm going to sample that right now for everybody. But let me tell you, like I said, this album kicks major ass. And as I'm I a said, huge fan of the record. You know that. Pull it up. Oh, I Temptation. know you are. Yeah, you're ready for this. I'm ready. All right, pulling it up now. My grandfather chose to be in business. Oh, you got a commercial here, Things Jay. that people will always need. <laughs> you gotta skip that. This is temptation for you guys. Definitely got that Judas Priest intro. What's going on inside your crooked mind? I've been around too long to know about your time. I made you feel I was a victim of the play. I'll let you tie me down, though I can't get away. Want to lead me into temptation. Absolutely love Rob Alfred's voice. This is definitely that classic priest sound. Well, you know what? Let me say, I, I agree with you. To me, Halford was really, especially the first Halford record, was really a return to that classic priest sound, whereas Fight was much more of a groove metal record. And it had, like, the real, you know, gruff background vocals, Pantera style. And then 2 was very industrial. Nine Inch, I mean, you listen to... um. I'm a pig. It sounds like it, you could tell Trent Reznor had his hand on that. It was total nine inch nails. This was a return, like you said, to priest, uh, not even just painkiller, but like 
all the down era, all that stuff. Yeah. Yes. I, I, I mean, I have to agree. Like, obviously I think the intro, the opening track resurrection is, is really painkiller. Like, yeah, that's total painkiller. Yeah. <laughs> like, I can't even get that high. Obviously, I can't do Halford, but you know Rob Halford, like insane voice, like his range. I, one of the probably most. I mean, he is on my Mount Rushmore of vocalists. I mean, he has to be. Like the, the guy is just. That's why they call him the metal god. So anyway, my, that's my pick of the week. Resurrection by the band Halford. Obviously, there's some other mainstays on the album. He actually does a duet. With this guy, Bruce Dickinson, Bruce Dickinson yeah. uh, the song, the, the one you love to hate. And that's an awesome song, too. Excellent. I mean, the track. whole album, like I said, Excellent. every track on the record is, is it's basically, like I said, it, it, it's a classic Priest album, but without the Judas Priest name. Yep. I, I, I do want to sample one more track because there's a track, actually, Silent Screams. And I don't know if you even knew this. That's actually. one of my favorite tracks. You're a two guy. Silent Screams was actually written by two, and but it wasn't recorded. Like it was held album. over. Yep, exactly. Yeah. So I want to I want to sample that real quick. And obviously, I I can't say it. it's a seven minute song. So I'll sample the intro and then I'll I'll skip. But this is Silent Screams from the album Resurrection. It was, it was weird. weird. Look at me, I'm chasing. Starts out as a ballad. Alright, we're gonna skip ahead. So you see it starts out like that real soft sound. Here we go, baby. Bring it, Aaron. Take it out. I want to talk about this for a little bit. Now, like you said, you, you're correct. This was originally written for two. Uh, it was a holdover. They re-recorded it for Halford, revamped it a bit. But here's the thing. You got to remember, Halford came out as gay around the time he was doing the two project. You ever you ever acknowledge the lyrics to this song, Silent Screams, Jay? Look at me, I'm chasing after dreams left in the storm. What I am is still that really matters now. That lies are gone. That lies are gone. All the lies are gone. The lies are gone. 
Tempting fate and losing friends along the way. I loved no regrets. I'm standing with a needle in my heart, et cetera, et cetera. Dude, these lyrics, you could tell they were written around the time of him coming out of the closet. Oh, yeah. Very cool lyrics. So just wanted to add that. I just think it's definitely my favorite song. It's just the energy of the whole, you know, like I said, I always like a good ballad sound. Like, you know, obviously the, the beginning. Oh, dude, my favorite priest songs harken back to songs like Beyond the Realms of Death. That is that is my favorite priest song. That's I mean, that's possibly mine as well. I'm I'm I my favorite priest stuff is like Stained Class, you know, that that time period, uh Sad Wings of Destiny. You know, I, I go back, that's me priest. Like I'm less of a fan of like the, the Ram It Down Painkiller stuff, as much as I love I a lot it. of that stuff. Like I love Touch of Evil. I mean, I, just, I love a lot of that stuff, but I love the classic priest. Before pre-British Steel, because to me, like around Hellbent for Leather, British Steel, they started writing like the three, four minute tracks for radio. I like that more progressive, older priest. And I do think the, a lot of the Halford stuff harkens back to even to that stuff, but just with a much more modern production value to it. I agree. And it's a lot more melodic. That's that the, the, the original, you know, the older priest. Yes. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. So anyway, great pick of the week, Jay. Anyway, guys, we hope you love the show. Um, we're going to wrap it up here. As always, don't forget to check out our number one sponsor, La Terrain Watches. Make sure you go to their website, www.la-tourain.com. Use our promo code SNM. That's the letters SNM. As in sports and metal, you're going to save 10% off your purchase. We hope you enjoyed the show. And as always, rock on. Peace out, baby. And that's our show. Tune in next time for more Sports and Metal. With Jason Voorhees and Aaron Savage. Oh, yeah. Got something to say? Hit us up at sportsandmetal0423 at yahoo.com or on Twitter at sportsandmetal. Dude, that might be the best show we ever did.